You're listening to the North Canton Chapel Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. Well, good morning. The joy of toddlerhood, am I right? Uh, Abby and I have a little toddler of our own. This is, if you haven't had a chance, this is Luke, a little cute little guy. He loves being outside on the swing. And uh, while there's a lot of joy of toddlerhood, there's also some frustrations, right? Like short naps, or they don't even take a nap, or uh, all they want to ever do is eat for a meal is snacks. And even if you make their favorite meal, they still somehow don't want it. And one of the fun parts of toddlerhood I've come to realize is they start to interact with you a little bit more, right? You, you can have somewhat of a conversation with them. And many of you know the song, right? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And what you would reply? Where, right? Good job. And I would sing this song to Luke one day. I'm like, Luke, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And obviously he doesn't go, where? Right? But he gives this little, just like a, uh. And if you know Luke, he's like, you call him a little grunter because he's like learning to talk right now. But he'll just go, uh. And he'll like look around and be like, where, where is this joy, Dad? I don't see this joy. And, and his look is so serious. He's like, Dad, I don't know where it is. Help me find this. And while that's cute and everything, we kind of laugh at that. And there's a reality today that people all around this world are asking the same question. Where? Where do I find joy? And a report from Gallup It's just one of many that have recently come out about the rise of anxiety, the rise of depression, the rise of loneliness. And if you actually even look at it, what is scary is that it just seems to keep going up. Right? We live in a time of world that we have all the resources we could ever want. We have everything at our disposal. And yet... We're depressed, we're anxious, we're worried. And this hits hard for me because as a student pastor, every year these reports come out and I already know what's gonna, what it's gonna say. You see, the, the biggest percentage of, a, of depression and anxiety is not from people who lived a long life, but it's actually in our teenagers. It's in the people who have lived on this earth for 10 years, 15. And that hits hard. Because you see, I see students and I interact with students and they just have this posture like Luke of just like, where? Where is this joy that you talk of? Because I'm not experiencing this. The truth is that we were created to experience joy. We were created to experience this thing called joy. God desires for each and every one of us in this room to have joy. 
The Bible talks about how joy can and is as far more than just some hopeful idea. It is a reality that we can have. So this morning, this is where we're going to go this morning. I want to talk about happiness. I want to talk about the source of where we find this joy. And then finally, I want to talk about how do we maintain this joy in every season of life? So would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this season of Advent, a time where we can come to you with all our emotions, all our life circumstances, and we can come here and celebrate. We can celebrate that you have come. And on your own, church, I want you to take some time now, and I want you to humbly go before the Father and ask this one thing, Father, help me to hear the one thing that you want me to hear this morning. Approach your Father who wants you to come to him, and that maybe that one question is, Father, help me to hear that one thing that I need to hear this morning. Father, we lift these things to you. I lift every single one of these requests to you. Father, I pray that today we would take a humble heart, a humble posture before you, before your word, that we would hear what we need to hear this morning and that in everything that we do this morning, it is glorifying and honoring to you. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. You see, the one thing that we all have in common, no matter where we grew up, what socioeconomic status we are in, what culture we are in, there's one thing that all of us have in common is that each and every one of us is in pursuit of something that will complete us. As much as humans desire to be independent people, I'm sure you've heard that, like, I'm an independent person, I don't need help, I don't need anything we still come to the same conclusion that we do not have in and of ourselves all that we want or need. We have this hole in the depths of our souls that are yearning for something better, something that will complete us. Every person, no matter who they are, has this longing. And this longing does not just end with a desire, but it makes itself known in what I would often call the pursuit of happiness. I enjoy being happy. I don't think there's anybody in this room that says, you know what? I don't like being happy, right? I'm, I'm happy when Michigan beats Ohio State again for the third time this year. I, sorry, I had to throw that in. But um, that, that stuff makes me happy. One of the things I love that makes me happy is thrifting. I, I love thrifting and that has kind of turned into a little hobby. I love being able to go into a store and find these hidden gems where people have said, you know what, this no longer makes me happy. It's no longer beneficial to my life, so I'm just gonna get rid of it. And I step in and I give it to somebody who thinks it will be happy, bring happiness into their life. I love happiness, but happiness in and of itself is so 
fragile. We can have that sense of energy and excitement one moment, and the next moment it can be gone. This is what I mean. All it takes is one comment from a coworker, right? And your day is ruined. That job that you love so much can be gone in a flash. That house that you bought a couple of years ago that you definitely overpaid for, that you thought would bring happiness and completeness in your life, somehow now you find it yourself you have to fix the roof. You have to put in a new water heater, all these things. And that source of happiness that you once have now is just a source of frustration and anger. That sport that you dedicated so much time to and love playing. You find yourself watching more than playing. And that source of happiness now is a source of just frustration. You no longer love that sport that you once loved. So why I love happiness as much as everyone in this room, the pursuit of it to make our life complete is really hopeless. Despite that conclusion, we still live in a world that tells you personal happiness is the goal of life. Despite the reality that we keep going through this, we still come to this conclusion that we still need to pursue happiness. And when we do, we will find completeness. Let me tell you what I mean. Uh, In high school, I had a time where I was dealing with a lot of loneliness. I was just, I just had this loneliness. I don't know where it came from. It just happened. And as I got into college, I started kind of realizing it seemed like everybody was getting into a relationship but me. And man, everybody seems so happy. And yet, here I am, going into my senior year of college, and I'm not dating anybody. No prospects, just lonely. And by the grace of God, I met Abby. And even by bigger grace, she said yes to marrying me. I don't know why still she did, but she did. Thank you, Abby. She's watching in Texas. But um, like, I finally got married. And here's what I thought. All that loneliness that I had would be gone. That this marriage would complete me. But I soon realized I put such a heavy expectation on Abby that she could never complete. Though she is such a godly woman, an amazing wife, amazing mom, in and of herself, she can't complete the thing that I ultimately need. So if this pursuit of happiness, if this pursuit of happiness will complete us and give us everything that we ever need, let me ask you a question. Why isn't it working? Why do we constantly get these reports every year that we just keep being more depressed, anxious, lonely, like all these things? Why is, if we are in the pursuit of happiness and we're told that is what will work, why isn't it working? What if we can experience something that is far greater than happiness? What is, as the band Switchfoot sings, what if we were meant to live for so much more? and just happiness. Advent is the celebration and the anticipation of Christ with us. And today, 
we are celebrating, if I can light it, there we go, the advent of joy. Joy. With that, I want us to come back to the question little Luke was asking and what most people are asking then, where do we find this joy? Because I haven't found it yet. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. If you have your Bibles or if you have your phone, you can flip there. It's also going to be on the screen. We often only read this passage during Christmas time. And most of the times we read this, we kind of just fly through it. All right, great message. Let's go. Let's keep going on. Let's figure out what happens next. But today I want to take some time and reflect on three realities that we see from this proclamation. Luke chapter 2, 8 through 12 says this. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you great new, good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Here we meet the lowly shepherds. If we're honest, they are not the first people that come to our mind that Jesus would make known his entrance into this world. Shepherds, often the forgetful people, not important people. We would expect that he would make this announcement to the religious elites, the powerful, but yet he proclaims this to the lowly shepherds. And as they tremble with fear, they are witnessing the glory of God on display. A right response to that. But what follows next is a message that comforts them. It doesn't drive them away because it's not a message to fear. It's of great joy. It's of good news. And here are the three realities that the angel of the Lord gives to the shepherds. The first thing is that God pursues us. What makes this message of great joy is that God pursues us. Our God is a God who draws near. The birth of Jesus proclaims to the world that God is not just some far off God who sits back and is like, let's see what happens. Oh, all the chaos is happening, man. That must suck. Like, ugh, what can I do? He's not that kind of God. He's a God who draws near. He desires to be with us, and he desires to have a relationship with us. Can you just, like, think about that for a moment, right? We're talking about joy. That the creator of this world wants you. Not because you have a great personality. I'm sure you have a great personality. Not because you have something to offer him, but he wants you because he loves you. And so he pursues you. 
This idea of pursuing is a big theme throughout all the scripture. We see God pursuing Adam and Eve even after their disobedience. You see God pursuing Israel in the countless of times in which they turned their back on him. You see God pursuing his disciples even after one denied him three times and the rest abandoned him. Yet God still used them in incredible ways. You see God pursuing Paul despite all that Paul did. The proclamation of the angel of the Lord is one of great joy because it proclaims what God initiates, what we cannot do on our own. It is through the birth of Jesus that God proclaims that he desires for us to not just know this fun fact about him, but that he wants us to know him in a real life giving way. There is life found in the presence of God. And it is with great joy that he pursues us first. Like, I want you to just sit in that. He pursues you first. He wants you to actually be able to experience a relational love. He wants you to experience joy. And this is why I would define biblical joy as this. Biblical joy is the relational reality of being fully known and loved by God. Biblical joy this is again, different than worldly happiness. Biblical joy is the relational reality that, of being fully known and fully loved by God. The psalmist says it like this, Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is the reality that the angel is proclaiming is, if you noticed, for all people. The second reality is this proclamation is made for all people. I know there are some in this room that are hearing what I am saying, and all you can do is think about is all that you've ever done. You sit in that chair full of guilt and shame and you convince yourself there is no way the God of this universe would ever want to pursue me, would ever want to love me. Maybe you've been told your whole life that you are a lost cause. The people around you have just put you aside and you're like, all I've ever known is rejection. All I've ever known is loneliness. All I've ever known is what it looks like to not be loved. And you convince yourself that all hope for any restoration is impossible. I want you to know something today. That is a lie. That is a lie. You see, God does not just pursue the people who look like they have their life together. The Bible is filled with so many examples of actually how God pursues the unlikely people. 
You know that guy named David in the Old Testament? Right? A man after God's own heart. Right? One of the greatest kings of all of Israel. He played that harp really well. Like he, he just had it all together. And that's why God loved him. You know, he also committed murder. He committed adultery. You know that guy named Paul we just mentioned? He killed people. Not just any people, Christians. God's people, God's children. He, he killed them. He persecuted them. And so most of you, here's his thing. If you wanted to put your resume against them, you would probably have a better resume, wouldn't you? But God still pursued them. God still loved them. God still used them in incredible ways. They were still able to experience the joy of God. And so it is a lie if you truly believe here today that you can experience it, that God would want nothing to do with you. You are not far gone to experience the joy that comes from being fully known and loved by God. And then the third reality is this. Jesus has come to be a savior. There's great news. This news is of great joy because he has come to be a savior. But the reality is a lot of people miss out on Advent of Jesus is because of one thing. They are in the pursuit of the wrong savior. People around, not just in the day where Jesus was born, but even today, are in the pursuit of the wrong savior. And he loves us so much that he came down to be our savior. To be a savior is to save, to deliver, to rescue, to ultimately give freedom. Freedom from oppression, freedom from darkness, freedom from brokenness. All you need to do is look around this world and people are seeking relief from this. So it's not a question if you or I are in a pursuit of completeness and fulfillment. The real question is what savior are we in the pursuit of? What savior are you in the pursuit of that you spend your time day in and day out pursuing? Because in the end, the pursuit of happiness is really just the pursuit of our next savior. The pursuit of happiness is really just the pursuit of our next savior. And so what savior are you in pursuit of this morning? And let me ask another question. How is that working out? Are you finding that completeness? Do you have that joy? And this is a joy that you don't have to keep running back to. Because the reality, it is great news that God does not send anything other than himself. 
He doesn't send a job. He doesn't send a big bank account. He doesn't send any of those things because what is finite cannot deliver us from something that is eternal. Our problem is not, we have a short bank account, we have a small bank account. Our problem is something far greater. There is only one salvation that the angel proclaims and that it comes from only one savior and that is Jesus. Jesus is the only true savior. He is not only savior, but he is Lord. You can't buy this gift of salvation with money. You cannot work hard enough to gain it. It is given to you freely. That is great news. Because everywhere you turn, people tell you in order to get something, you have to work for it. But the great news of Christ coming down, being born of flesh, is that he gives us our greatest gift that we could ever have. It's himself. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 says this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But... God. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Yeah, amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> The birth of Jesus celebrates that God would pursue us. That God would want me despite my sin, despite my unfaithfulness, and that he would step down into the messiness of this world and be its needed savior. And so if you are sitting in this room today and you have not put your faith in this savior, if you have been just running to all these different saviors, why not today you finally said, you know what? I'm done with that. I'm going to go after joy. I'm done with just this worldly happiness that I keep having to go back to to find at least some kind of completeness, even if it's really not completeness because it never truly satisfies. What if today you decided, you know what? I'm done with that. I'm going to the source of all joy. And that is Jesus. All you need to do is repent and believe. Maybe you're going through a season where you're just going, eh, right? Maybe it's not the most wonderful time of the year for you. I mean, because we live in a broken world. The brokenness of this world doesn't stop during Christmas time, does it? 
and all you can just muster up is just like little Luke. Where, where is this joy? If that's you this morning, I want you to know I'm so glad that you are here. I'm so glad you got out of bed, even when you didn't want to. That you got out of bed and you came here because God has you here for a reason. He got you out of that bed for a reason. And I'm so glad he did. Because maybe you just need to hear this this morning. Maybe you believe all the things we just talked about in Luke chapter two. You're like, I believe this. But all you can say is, I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I know you to be the true savior. Help me believe that today. And so how do we maintain joy when that job is taken away? How do we maintain joy when our house is just a mess? How do you maintain joy when that child or loved one is just living in the world? How do you maintain joy when you've been given a diagnosis? Because that's, that's when it's really hard to choose joy, isn't it? How do I maintain a posture of joy in the season I'm in? It's first as we abide in the presence of Jesus. Abiding in the presence of Jesus. John 15, 9 through 11 says this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, listen to this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be half complete. No, it says full. Abiding in Jesus is turning our heart and eyes from our circumstances to the trustworthy love of God. It is a posture of remaining in the truth of God's word and letting it give our aching heart peace and rest that surpasses all understanding. It is choosing to say moment by moment, not my will, Father, but yours be done. And as we take in the living water that satisfies the longing and weary heart, we can with joy sing out, you are working all things for your good now and forevermore. Christian, are you choosing to abide in the presence of Jesus in all seasons? So we find joy when we abide in Jesus. And then we also find joy in abiding with the body of Christ. And that's why I'm so glad that you are here this morning. Even when you did not want to get up, I am so glad that you are here because you made the right decision. 
Acts 2, 42 through 47 says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Get this, and day by day, not just Sunday by Sunday, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day who were being saved. The joy of Jesus is contagious, is it not? It's experienced in its full, surrounded by the body of Christ. That's why we are called to meet together. That's why it's not like, hey, when you have the time, can you do this little thing on Sunday? It would be really cool if you gathered and sang some songs and, you know, sat in a chair. Like, that's not the purpose behind all this. That's not why you are just here today. You are here so that you may experience the joy of Jesus. Even when you feel like it's hard to find. I love that we care so much about belonging here at the chapel. Because we see just as Christ sees that it is so important for the body of Christ to come together, to fellowship with one another, to abide in the presence of Jesus with one another. You know, many of you know this feeling you get when you're at a camp, when you're at a retreat, when you're at a conference for a period of time, right? You're, when you're in the midst of that, what do you feel? You feel joy. You feel peace. You feel hope. Why is that? Because you're doing exactly what Jesus wants us to do. You spend your time in constant teaching in the discussion of God's word. You sing songs of praises with one another. You weep with others. You rejoice with others. You spend time in community where you can be real with others and they can be real with you as they faithfully remind you of the faithfulness of God. It's amazing that when we abide in Jesus, when we truly abide in Jesus and abide in the presence of the body of Christ, the joy that we feel. And I want you to know you can feel that more than just on Sundays. But the choice is yours. Think of Sunday as just the appetizer. There's so much more for you to experience when you are connected to the body of Christ. So if you are in a season where it is hard to maintain joy, the answer is simply this. And it's something that you got to choose. Abide. Abide in the presence of Jesus and abide with the body of Christ. If you need some prayer this morning, because maybe you don't have the words to say. That's okay. 
if you, if you need just somebody to pray with you this morning, uh, we have some tables back there and there's people back there that would love to pray with you and maybe just pray for you. You can experience the joy today. It cannot be taken away from you. It is grounded in the work of Christ and it is given freely. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you came to be our savior. That just in our own doing, we would never choose you. Thank you for opening our hearts and eyes to the beauty that is you. In a world full of distractions, in a world that is broken, help us to choose you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, it goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at ncchapel.com forward slash give. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces making much of Jesus every day to everyone.